Hey everyone, I need your attention for one minute. This is not one of those ads. This is something that has changed my entire life. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that this is all about personal development as the foundation for everything good in your life. And this podcast is now sponsored by Growth Day, which is the world's first all-in-one personal development app. I mean, oh my gosh, can you imagine having everything all in one place that you need to create the life that you want? Now you can. So if you've been struggling with your motivation, your mood, your productivity, or your purpose, you have to check this out. Growth Day helps you consciously change your life and achieve your potential. It has all the self-improvement tools, motivational classes, and life coaching all in one place. So many of us want to improve our lives, but the question is how? Where do we start? What do we use? How do you get unstuck? How do you make self-improvement stick? Well, research shows how. It's when you consistently journal, track your habits, set goals, learn from empowering mentors, and challenge yourself that you'll be happier, healthier, and more successful. But let me ask you something. Where do you actually do all of your personal development work? I have to tell you that over 300,000 people use Growth Day for a reason. It works. It's the world's number one software for self-improvement. Growth Day has an amazing mindset journal that I absolutely love, a habit tracker, and a goal-setting system. In fact, I bet if you went to my stories this week, you probably saw me using the journaling app and telling you to do it too, because it's the first time that journaling has ever actually stuck consistently in my life because of this app. And best of all, Growth Day has live inspirational classes every single week from the world's top motivational speakers and life coaches. These are people who have impacted my life in huge ways. These are mentors who I already knew and loved. In fact, this is something that's so huge for me, you guys. I personally teach a class in Growth Day every single month, and it is one of the most fun things that I get to do, and I'd love to see you there. These classes will truly shift your life. There's always something new that you will learn. So join me in 300,000 Achievers Growing Our Lives with actual real intention. Visit growthday.com slash Lori for a free trial. Yes, you can try this for free. So go to growthday.com slash Lori and go live your best life. You guys, that's growthday.com forward slash Lori. And I can't wait to see you there. If it's easily achievable, then you would have done it already. And it just, you know, every other business like yourself will get, will just naturally organically grow. You know, you, you would, that's how you have to set yourself apart from other businesses. Welcome to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. I'm Lori Harder, founder of The Bliss Project, three-time fitness world champion, fitness expert, and cover model turned self-love junkie, lifestyle entrepreneur, and author. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought that will help you bust through your fears, connect to your soul, and get focused and clear so you can elevate your life, business, and relationships. We don't wait until we're ready for someone to tell us we're good enough. We take what we want and we anoint ourselves. Get ready to earn, own, and unapologetically rock your happiness every single day. Are you with me? Here we go. Welcome back to the show. And today's guest is Jane 
Lou. She is the founder of Shopo, which started in 2010 in her parents' garage and is now an online global fashion empire shipping to over 100 countries. And she did this through being disruptive in the retail space and capitalizing on the use of social media. And Shopo now boasts a cult following of over 3.3 million engaged followers collectively. And she has a team of over 90 across Sydney in her headquarters and distribution center. So Jane Liu has so much enthusiasm for entrepreneurship and she set off to start her first business, which failed spectacularly, which she will share all about. And she was undeterred and got right back into business, starting an online fashion brand the following month. And now she's a regular keynote speaker for some of Australia's biggest brands. She's uh, been on stages for audiences internationally, and she won Entrepreneur of the Year in 2015 and Forbes 30 Under 30 in Asia. You guys, this woman has done so much in such a short period of time. And she truly is somebody who um, I feel is so incredibly relatable. I really loved her story and I wanted to make it, I wanted to ask questions so that you could see what she tangibly did when she started this online clothing empire. So if you feel like you have an idea, this is definitely a podcast for you, taking it from the very beginning of the idea, from when it feels crazy, from your parents thinking you're insane, from your friends and family thinking you're nuts, to where all of a sudden it starts making money, and then you continue on. So I really love how she talks about no matter where you're at, it's going to feel like chaos. And that really helped uh, just for so many different places that I've been and where I'm going and remembering that everybody feels this way. So you guys listen to this interview and we're going to get started. Jane, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. Very excited. Where are you at right now? Because you said you were traveling. Yes. So I'm actually in New York, which makes this time difference a whole lot better than if I was, um, I'm normally based out of Sydney. Okay. I'm like dying to get over to Sydney. So tell us a couple of things that you love about Sydney. Oh, well, it's, I hate to start a podcast by talking about the weather, but you know, now that I'm here in um, New York, which it has just experienced a polar vortex, the weather is amazing. And I shouldn't ever take it for granted. Um, we have, you know, we have a lot of beaches, and just it's very laid back culture, so which is great, and um, it's a great. I don't know. It's just you know when your home is there, everything's just beautiful. But it's just it's so far from everything else. That's mm-hmm. probably the one thing. Mm-hmm. It's our nearest um, other country. It's like six hours to get to. But oh my gosh, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> at least it's paradise when you're there. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so excited to have you on today because. You have built such an incredible business and I really want to know about the entire journey. So I would love if you would just share a little bit about how that all started. Mm. Okay, great. Start now? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, um, so basically I actually, I mean, I can't even believe I'm in the position I'm in now Mm. because I'm literally doing the thing that I, like something I truly love and I just never 
imagine this for myself because I actually used to be an accountant. Mm. <laughs> and <laughs> That's so, crazy. And I hate, I hate accounting. I hate, um, I, I, it's accounting and finance, which is just the driest. I'm so sorry to offend any accountants, but it's just, it's <laughs> not for me because I think you need to have an intention for detail, but I'm like a big picture blase mm. kind of person. So I um, started working in accounting because it's, it seemed like a career that would offer you a secure mm. future because my parents and I, we're actually from China and we immigrated when I was eight. And so my parents, you know, it's that whole immigrant sob story where, you know, they, they left their jobs, their families, their careers, and then they started working in factories and worked as cleaners just so I could, they could make sure that I could build a future, a brighter future that, for, which meant for them uh, job security and financial mm. security, which is why, you know, for me, all I had ever known was just go down the corporate route, mm. the academic route, the corporate route, and then just to climb the corporate ladder. And so when I turned 18, I actually um, got offered this very exclusive cadetship program, which meant I actually started working at KPMG, which is one of the big four accounting firms at the age of 18. Wow. Um, and so at the time I was loving it. You know, you start having an income, you're, starting, you're doing Friday night drinks. And I was actually excited to wear a suit. I don't know, so naive when you're 18. And then so I did that about for about three years and just realized that it was not for me. Like I hated cubicle life and I've realized how bad I am at accounting and I just you know it was actually this one specific moment I realized um I was on behind my computer the whole day staring at spreadsheets and and, and I realized that you know it's been three hours three hours have just passed so that meant I'm literally three hours more dead than I was sorry to get morbid but like wow. I was like three hours more dead and mm-hmm. all I've done is remove this circular referencing from a spreadsheet, which means nothing. And now I'm going to go drown my sorrows in the meatball sub. And <laughs> I'm like, how is this my life? This can't be, I cannot do this for the next, I don't know, 50 years. So I thought I had to do something else. Mm. And then so a friend came to me and she said, hey, do you want to start a business? And I was like, yes. Like without even caring about what the business was in, um, we ended up getting to business together. We started running pop-up stores in un- under- underutilized locations. So like a bar that's not busy during the day, we would set up a market store and we started selling stuff from emerging designers. Mm. And, you know, I, the business model wasn't very good. And the business, but, you know, you're just so passionate when you start, you just want to mm-hmm. make, you're just like, if I just work really hard, I'll make it work. I don't care, I'll make it work. So then I quit my job to work on the business and then my business partner told me that she didn't want to do the business anymore. Mm. So all of a sudden, despite having everything, so I had, the, you know, I had always achieved, God, I always had really good marks at school. I got this, my dream, what I thought was my dream job when I was 18. Um, and I had financial security for, and, you know, you know, when you're studying, I was at uni, everyone's worried about what job they can get. I, mm-hmm. I was one of the lucky ones that already had this before you start uni or college, whatever. But then um, all of a sudden I lost it all. I was unemployed. Uh, I had a failed business. I lost all of the money that all my life savings, all the money that I earned, I've lost in the business. And it was in the middle of the global financial crisis. So it meant that I couldn't actually get another job. Mm-hmm. So I literally hit rock bottom. And so 
And, you know, I, I kind of grew up with this major fear of failure and just mm. couldn't believe that I got myself into this mess. Mm. And so because I couldn't get, no one was hiring for other jobs at, at that time, I thought I had to start another business. And then because, you know, I was like, well, all I know is accounting and finance or uh, fashion retail from the pop-up store. Even though that had failed, I'm like, well, if I've got the opportunity to kind of like create my own feature, I'm not going to do anything in accounting and finance. So I, I guess out of default, by default, I started a business. And then by default, I started a business in fashion retail. Mm. And that was Shopo. Wow. So when you were, uh, obviously you were like, I'm not going back to accounting because that was enough pain in the beginning to be like, I'm not going yes. back. And you were at rock bottom. Number one, how long did you feel like you kind of stayed there? What did you do to start thinking of solutions? And what was the next step after that? Yes. Yeah, so I think I probably spent about, I was quite lucky. I probably spent a month just like, just feeling so lost. And it was actually really hard at the start because for the first six months, so sorry, I started Shopo within a month, but then even the first six months of Shopo, I was actually, because I was living at home at the time, I was also an only child. So my parents kind of put all their eggs in the Jane basket. And then my parents, I couldn't, my parents sacrificed so much for me, but I couldn't actually tell them that I had lost it all. I'd given it all up to start a business that had failed. So I just didn't tell them. <laughs> so for, yeah, so for six months, I just pretended to go to work. So I would get up early and I, I'm not a morning person. So getting up early sucks when you're not just when, not just sucks as it is, but sucks when you're unemployed and getting up for the reason. Mm-hmm. But then I would have to put on my suit, which at this point felt like a clown suit. I just hated it so much. And then I would have to get the bus into the city with my mom because she works in the city. So I had to put up this facade for six months. So it kind of like made me go, I, you know, have to, it made me not get complacent and like mm. have to like create change. So for the first month, I kind of just tried to speak to as many people as I could. But, you know, at the time, all of my friends were corporate. I didn't even have any, you know, there, there were no podcast to listen to for inspiration and if you wanted to buy an inspirational book it was still like only like the Richard Branson's like the people who have like really made it really big and Mm -hmm. you know it just seemed really unattainable or um you know I I even have sitting at home the dummy's guide to retail just like very Uh in between you know um so I just really felt so lost and didn't know what to do had no one to speak to luckily I had I had just the one friend who had his own business and I approached him um, hoping secretly that I could just get a job with him and then learn a lot from him. But he was like, oh, I actually know someone else who wants to start a business. She wants to get into fashion retail. Let me introduce you to her. And honestly, like, you know, I never, I'm quite skeptical and didn't think it was going to go anywhere. But, um, you know, when we met, we instantly hit it off. Mm. And within, I think the third time we met, we had too many glasses of red wine together and decided to start show show together. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how it all started. Okay. So I, yeah. I love that, you know, red, red wine was the catalyst. <laughs> <laughs> red wine has been a couple catalysts for me. Yeah. So 
for you, first of all, if you would, if you would just kind of share with everybody what Shopo is so they can get the overall picture of what it is oh, now, because yeah. I want to like rewind to the beginning. Cause I think there's so many people who, whether it's a business model similar to this or something that they want to start on the side, like also give them the permission to not put a cap on themselves, because I'm sure if you would have done that, it would not be what it is today. So first of all, if you could tell us what it is, and then we'll go back to where the next step after that. Yes. Um, okay. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> to give some context. So Shopo is an online, uh, we're an online fashion store for women 16 to 36. But we, um, so we started off just uh, being a retailer, but, you know, in the last five years, we've really grown out our design team. So we've got um, half the styles that we put out, which is we, we release 150 new styles a week on our website and half of the designs are our own. So we have, yeah, it's like it's, we're, we're more than just a retailer now. I guess we're a brand, a retail store. And um, what something I'm really proud of is like, I think we're more than just like a fashion brand in that we, we do so much of our own original content. Mm-hmm. And so the brand in itself is just, it's, it's more than just the fashion itself. So it's, it's, it's quite exciting. <laughs> mm, and you've created a community, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. Okay. So... You've had your red wine. You've decided to start a business. Where on earth do you start? Are you like, how do we get these clothes? How do we put them out? Were you always interested in clothing? Yeah. So I actually, that's the thing. I I mean, I love clothes, but I don't have a passion for fashion Mm -hmm. just because like I look at the girls that work with me, like they, like they, I can truly say they have a passion for fashion Mm -hmm. and I just can't. I'm just not in that league. I just love clothes, but I really love marketing. I love Mm building a business. I love content. And so I think that's kind of like um, also a point of like a competitive advantage, point of differentiation for Shopo. And so um, I, so I, the only, you know, what's, this, what's really, what I love is just the fact that it's everything that Shopo has kind of evolved to become is kind of off the back of the failed business, which at the time I was like, Jane, you idiot. Why would you do this? I, you know, I was very self-loathing about how I even like started, got into that first business and letting it fail and everything that had happened. But then I realized that everything I show for is now is from that. So mm. what I mean is that business, we sold emerging products from emerging designers. So your price range is from 70 to like 300 mm-hmm. um, and upwards. And then from that, I realized, and this is before, because, you know, fast fashion is really big right now, but at the time it, it wasn't so much. And, you know, the, the designer brands were still a lot more prominent, I guess, than they are now. Mm-hmm. So at the time when we had the pop-up store, we, I saw how much more, how much, how much, how big the growth in fast fashion was, which is why I knew like that's the, that's the sector within the fashion industry I wanted to get into. And then I saw how laborious and unscalable bricks and mortar was. I mean, it, it is, but it's so much easier to scale up an online store. Mm-hmm. So I knew that that's what I was going to do. Um, we did a lot of the traditional marketing methods like flyer drop and like advertising and like print advertising and PR, which was just so expensive for a startup. So with Shopo, I wanted to focus on social media. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so... Uh, like and, and, and even in terms of stock, like I've never heard of it, the term consignment before, which means that you don't have to pay for a product until it sells. Mm. So with Fatboy, the pop-up store, we were able to work with all of our designers on a consignment basis. So we 
which is why we were able to get in 50 designers um, and then we only paid um, them after anything sold. And so when I started Showcoat, I actually was $60,000 in debt, which is like not the position you want to be in anyway, but especially not when trying to start a business. And so I, how I overcame that was... So I think when you start a business, an online fashion... Uh, sorry, an online store, your two main costs are uh, your inventory, your stock, mm-hmm. and your marketing. So in terms of the stock and inventory, I realized, I, I, you know, I knew that there was this consignment term that we can work on. So I said to my business partner who had a lot more connections than I do, I was like, you know, we should just get someone on consignment, which means then we can really test the market and we don't have to outlay any cash because I don't have any. And then he found us a supplier that could sell us on consignment. And that was our first supplier and we still work with them. But, you know, and that was great because... I didn't. I didn't know anything about fashion. I didn't know what people wanted to buy. So we just put up. We took. We took a sample of every style they had, which was only forty at the time. Took a, took photos on the weekend um, using a free model. Who, and then we put it on the website. And so we. And then only had to fulfill the stock once it's sold, which was a lot of manual labor because I had to go in every morning and pick all the stock and to fulfill it for that day. But, you know, at the time, you know, time I had a lot of, but money I didn't. So that was fine. And then I think that your other main costs, like the, the other main hurdle to starting a business is marketing. Mm. But I kind of got in the whole social media wave before it became as... It was, I mean, it still felt big at the time, but it wasn't as pronounced as it is now. And, you know, this isn't... So I started a business eight, eight and a half years ago in 2010, you know, and in Australia, which might be a couple of years behind a couple of years behind the state, I guess. But we still, you know, our our main powerhouse retailers, the big ones, they weren't on social media at all. Mm. They they weren't even they were barely on online. They they even if they had websites, they were more like catalog websites. They weren't selling on their websites. So, you know, they kind of looked at social media as probably just a fad and they didn't believe in it or they just didn't get it. Mm. And so I started using social media because I couldn't afford any of traditional marketing methods mm-hmm. and just it kind of and you know selling to millennials like what better way so I think that's kind of how it was able to just grow from the ground up so we never taken on in external investment and even though it was sixty thousand dollars in debt we we've grown from there like we you know I was just in my it was a garage business and now we have 150 staff wow and what are you um, projected for this year, if you don't mind sharing, so people can kind of know what you have created? Yeah, we have. Um, we're we're a sixty million dollar business at the moment, but hoping to get to a uh, hundred mil. Um, oh no, sorry, hundred mil Australian. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's still it's still really great. Yeah. <laughs> like, know, hold on, let me correct that. Right? It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, so it's, uh, I think, so actually it's really funny. So a few years ago, I'm going slight tangent, um, but I love the story. As a few years ago, we, I wanted to, the team was still at around 15 people. So now we're at 150, just to give you context of the growth. We had 15 people and I wanted to take our website development in-house because, you know, having like a agency build your website, like everything was stalling. And so I spoke to a recruiter and then he basically said, 
like, you know, look, if you want to, we wanted a head of technology, a chief technology officer. And he basically said, you know, if you want that person, you need to make him a co-founder. You need to, essentially, you need to give him equity. Essentially, what he's saying is like, no one wants to join your fashion business if you don't give them more because mm. you're not going to get a really good tech person believing in it. You know, and I just, I was like, screw you. Like, do, do not come to my office and tell me what to do and mansplain how to get a CTO. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to, and he said, you're not going to get to your 100 million uh, revenue target without making, making, getting a tech co-founder. And I said, you know what? I'm going to get there. I'm going to get to 200 mil and I'm going to get there by 2020 hmm. and get out of my office. I didn't say but essentially get out. Um, like, and then, now I have to do that. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, but now I think we're going to, we'll probably get to that goal this year, which is really exciting. Wow. Like before 2020. Okay. That's, that's amazing. And I love how you can just like embody it and it just is, but back in, back in the day, I'm sure if you said those words, it would be like, are you kidding me? Like, how did you oh, become God. the person who could start to think of these big numbers and just accept them fully and like welcome them into your life and go for it? So I, for me, I, you know, I think that number was probably the biggest I've thrown out, but like, um, and that, that was after like quite a few years of already having a sustainable business, a, a growing business. But, you know, at the start, I think it's all, for me, it's about having the small incremental goals. Like I never, I remember I went to this business course and they said, you know, put down your next fight, like your five goals for the next three years. And if it doesn't seem unachievable, then it's not big enough. Mm. Like if it doesn't seem big and crazy. And even then I didn't um, have the, I didn't have the confidence and belief in myself that it was going to be that I, you know, the things, anything that I've achieved now, I did not write down. Like I didn't believe in myself that much. I remember writing, I wanted to be featured in business review weekly, which is one of the big business publications in Australia and you know I, that was my big goal, but we ended up get we ended up getting featured later that year, and I think that publication doesn't even exist anymore. But um, I just yeah. So for me, it's all about the small goals, and I think having having a big goal like a hundred mil when I was starting, having wanting like this many staff members, the big beautiful office that we have now, the opportunity to travel and do all the things that I'm doing. I think if I had those goals at the start, I probably would have like actually scared myself too much because, you know, any moment you really had a setback, mm-hmm. you just feel so much further away from that goal that you I could, probably would have made me want to give up a lot more. So for me, it was just literally at the start. I My first goal was I just needed to make enough money so I can just get by. Um, and then I wanted to make enough money. So I was making more than my accounting job. So then I could justify it to my parents. <laughs> and then I wanted to like prove that like, because my, with my first business failing, I wanted to prove to my ex-business partners that I wasn't the screw up. So, um, and it wasn't my fault. So I wanted, you know, I think I was driven, driven by a bit of spite. I mean, even this story about the recruiter who told me I needed the tech co-founder, like, I feel like that gave me this ounce of spite that really pushed me to keep going. So it's all about, I think for me, those little goals, like what's just what's next. 
Mm. Um, and now, and I think it's only now that we have like a big team and I realize that it's not just about ins- like motivating myself, but it's motivating the team and like inspiring others. And, you know, because you have people that want to, they're working for more than just the income. They believe in the business. So it's really, you know, now more than important than ever to have like a vision and the, and the big goal for everyone to work towards. But for me, like my personal style is just like, what's, what's the next step? Hmm. Uh, there's so many places I could go, but first I'm going to ask you, you know, having your parents not necessarily support you and maybe having some other people who were like, eh, you need to do this or you need to do that, like really telling you what to do. How did you focus in on just like getting really, you know, linear focused on what you wanted to do and what you needed to do next and not get stopped up by opinions or worrying about what your parents would think? Yeah. I mean, I, kind of just that's why I lied to them because I didn't want them to um tell me like because I knew if I had told them every day they would have said because they don't understand how starting a business works um because they both have worked for companies they would ask me every day have you made money yet are you successful have you made it like so and I every day not only when you have to kind of reassure yourself and back yourself you have to reassure them which mm-hmm. it just seems like that would be so that would be so hard to do. Mm. Um, and you would just be filled with so much more self-doubt. So yeah, so I mean I guess I got through it by lying to them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I then, love I love that though because it's like there's so much about it's it's more about just showing them because no matter what you would have said anyway, it wouldn't have mattered. Yes, to show not tell, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so I think, yeah, and in terms of like you know, all of my friends who work corporate, when I told them I was going to quit to start a business, they told me that I was an idiot. Like, they, because <laughs> this is like no one like started business, like started business back then. They thought I was stupid. So, and then when my business failed, I was like, yeah, I think they were right. So then I started, I really just kind of like avoided, um, you know, going out, seeing some people, which I think it's fine because I couldn't really afford to go out. <laughs> but um, I kind of, I don't even know if this is the best thing, but I kind of just like avoided the situation. I uh, just, I was hanging out with my business partner a lot and just kind of, and that's the thing I think it's about surrounding yourself with like good like-minded people. Mm-hmm. But that's not to say to surround yourself with people who will tell you what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. You do want to, you know, you still want people to be pushing and challenging you. But I think there's also... You need to find the right people because sometimes people will put you down. I think what's funny is those people, some of those people who told me that I shouldn't have started it to, to not start a business because they're like, what do you know about fashion? What do you know about starting a business? They've come to me later to say that they want to start their own fashion business. So mm-hmm. what became evident was that, you know, me doing what they're too scared of doing brought out insecurities in themselves of why, whether they should do it or not, mm-hmm. you know? So I think, but then you also don't want people to be like, you know, just to tell you, just to pat you on the back. Because I think at the time, I mean, my boyfriend always tells me like, you know, he he will always kind of like tell me to be rational. Sometimes I'm like, oh, you know, it's fine if I just like get a job so that it, it, it'll be fine even if the business just makes enough so that I'm making more than my accounting job, right? He's like, no, that's not why. You know, then you're just, you've just created a job so that you work in retail. You haven't, but you want to start a business. You want to build like a company. You don't want to, you don't want to work in retail yourself. So don't just create a job. You know, you still want people to bring you down, bring you back to reality. So Mm. it's about finding 
the good people, like, you know, they say you are the product of five closest people around you. And I find so much truth in that. And actually, can I segue into my business group? Because I think this is kind of why I did it. So we, another girl who has her own business, Jen George, uh, her and I, we, um, like we've been through a lot together and we thought, you know, why don't we get a group of girls uh, to get together who have their own businesses? We can just whinge about how like all the bad times about having a business and we can have people to celebrate with our wins with and have a drink, get some wine and just talk. And so we had this group of 20 girls get together and we had so much fun. Just like, you know, everyone's just like on the same wavelength, all very like-minded people. And I'm like, okay, let's just create a Facebook group so then we can do this regularly. And like, and then we can make it public so we can invite our friends to come along. And we're like, oh, what should we call it? And this is just a t- group of 20 people in it. We're like, let's call it like-minded bitches drinking wine because <laughs> that's exactly what we are. And so when we, and we're like, okay, no big deal. And so that was three years ago. And now we have almost a hundred thousand members. <laughs> it's a, that's it's, always it, how it happens. Yeah. Oh. I just, and it just really shows that there's like a real demand for it. And I think, you know, the feedback, the feedback is in the group. is just like, you know, there's just, if you, if you jump on, you ask a question about business, you've got, in, like instantly almost, you have 50 other people, women giving you advice and just speaking from their own experience. And I think just having, like, I wish I had something like that when I saw that, which is why I'm so passionate about this. Just having people, not people telling you what to do, but people speaking, speaking from their own experience. I think I find, find that so, like, so much more useful. And I think just, you know, and that's why you have the podcast. You have people sharing their experiences. That, that's what I think it's when you go through the tough times. You don't just refer to what you've read in the book. It's it's someone's story that about how they overcome their adversity. I think that's what resonates with you, and that's kind of the motivation you need to keep going. Mm. So anyway, so that's I feel like, but you know, having the right people around you is what mm. really helps. In summary, oh my god, it's so important um, because mm. you are going to default to either the, you're going to de- default to the opinions and ideas of the people who are closest to you, and if that's mm-hmm. someone telling you you can't, you're that's where you're going to go. So that's exactly exactly what we always talk about too is just like who are you going to go talk to when things are down because that's going to determine yeah. your next step. So you have so I feel like you have so much valuable wisdom on marketing, and I want to tell you for people listening, they're either trying to they're either in first phases of kind of marketing themselves as a business or marketing a business that they have, or it's people who have been around a while who are like, what are, like, what should we know about marketing our business that we are not, or that we're missing? Yes. So, I mean, there's all the obvious stuff that I'm sure if you, you know, about being authentic and posting, I'm not going to go through all of that stuff that show everyone um, can get it from elsewhere. I guess what's really worked for me is like taking risks Mm. In social media, like in terms of, and the thing about not just social media, in marketing in general, because I think there's, you know, that you can look at what's, well, okay, sorry. The first step is you should see what other people are doing because the answers are right there. So Mm. it's stupid not to do something that's already working, but that you can't just stop there. So what I mean is if you have, you know, if you have a shoe, if you have like a shoe company, Mm -hmm. um, and you're on Instagram, look at your Instagram account and look at that of like a a brand that you love and look at the difference. So all the things that they're doing, like you should be doing, Mm. you know, you should give that, not all of them, but you know, it kind of, their team has already done the research of what works. And then 
the best thing about like something like social media is you, that your your audience tells you what they want. You've got instant feedback from the engagement, mm. um, the likes and comments, and then the analytics. But then I think the thing is, it's all about doing what's different, what's not done, because there's so much noise right now. And I, you know, I can't tell you what that is. But what was great for us was, for example, when what kind of gave Showpro its first uh, lift was when we when we started. And this is me again, like drinking red wine, coming up with a great idea. But I was at home on the couch um, in my tracksuit pants, feeling really sorry for myself, and watching. <laughs> drinking red wine and then watching America's Next Top Model. And then they had this um, for that season. They said that they would have an audience's favorite and that everyone can vote in to pick that person. And then so at this time, Facebook Fangate was on. And so you had to like, follow a page so that you can engage with it. And I was like, oh my God, why don't we do this? So we did this in, uh, uh, model competition, but... And then we asked our followers to enter because they're all within our demographic. And then what these girls ended up doing was that they created Facebook events, Facebook groups, and reached out to their entire network, although their friends asked them to vote for them. Hmm. And then some of their friends would go and enter themselves and then ask their entire list of friends to go and vote for them. So it had this amazing ripple effect. And we went from 3,000 followers to 20,000 in a month. Wow. For free, mm. it was free, and and this is twenty uh, twenty thousand followers in two thousand eleven. Like twenty thousand is a lot now, but in two thousand eleven, that was huge. That sets us, that puts us higher than most other like fashion businesses in Australia, mm. and so we had this so much credibility from that. And what that taught me was how strong. I think it taught me how how powerful social media was, and it and. It taught me that before a lot of other people realized. And I think that was what was really important. Um, and also taught me how great growth hacks are so, and how powerful they are. So I think from that point on, we just kept trying different things. And you know, the th- great thing about stuff on social media, like, I mean, things on the internet, they say it never goes away, but you know, you can delete them. So <laughs> it's just really important to like, just to try different things and also just to have like a niche. Because I think what's really great these days is like, you can really afford to be niche and really have like a strong, unique brand, but have that to have a big viral effect because it's like when you're trying to please everyone, you end up pleasing no one. Mm. So you just kind of, the world is so big and the internet has made it so globalized. Like you just kind of really hone in on what you are. And I think as your brand grows, you can slowly evolve and do more and be more. But I think that consistency, you know, is at the start is so important. Mm. Was there a tipping point for you as far as your company and as your social growth? Were they two different things? And what do you think they were? Yeah, I mean, some of the... So I guess the main milestones that has, have helped us grow was... I mean, at first, it's this social media hack because then I just went way harder mm. on social media. So I think the thing about finding a growth hack is once you do that, you've got a license to print money because you just double down on it and that dries up until then you just keep going hard mm. and but it will dry up people will copy it other mm. people will think of it it'll it'll happen but so that was that was great and then i think just uh, for us there was investing in more inventory and buying more stock because you know before social media we started getting the traffic so we once we backed that up with more stock 
we were just getting more sales. Um, just, just everything was just working really well. I mean, we we had four people working with us, and we had achieved a million dollars a month in sales, which is like pretty incredible, I guess. And then we, the next big step was really hiring a bunch of really professional people, people who were much smarter than us. Because, you know, up until then, we were hiring people like younger than us, less experienced. But having hiring experts really helped us grow. Mm. And you had to hire them, obviously, I'm sure, before you felt ready. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just... Yes. Go ahead. Oh, no. I'm just like, it's just so scary because you don't know... You don't even know how to find these people and how to interview them. And you're really scared because if they are wrong and not great, they can Mm -hmm. really lead you astray because you won't even know... You won't even know until it's way too late because mm-hmm. it's, it's so beyond your own capabilities. So how did you know and did you ha- take the risk on people and did it all turn out or was it that you learned really quickly when it was wrong? Well, so we got, I got very lucky that, so, you know, like people, a lot of times people say, you know, get yourself a mentor, you need a mentor. And I will always say, you don't need a mentor. Like everyone talks about needing a mentor. I got pretty, you know, I, we got to our million dollars a month without a mentor. I was like, don't like get too hung up on it. You meet someone great. That's good. But, um, so I, you know, I kind of kept saying that for years, but we, I ended up finding a mentor (laughs) who, um, was just a lot more experienced, um, with hiring and just speaking, talking the talk with professionals. So he kind of really helped. Um, he was like the final round interview for a lot of these professionals. Mm. So, and I think, you know, like he was, he's fantastic, but, you know, for someone else who's starting, I would say the thing is asking someone to be a mentor is like such a big, like it's a big burden, like not a big burden. It's a, it's a big commitment for that person. Mm -hmm. And everyone, they might not be an expert in everything that your business is doing because otherwise they would just do your business, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, I think it's about finding experts in each field. So you know, if you want to hire a really great marketing person, maybe just get, find someone else that you really respect to just do that final round interview and to screen just for that particular role. And I think that's what I would do if I didn't, if, you know, if I didn't have that contact already. Mm. So what is advice for the business person who is trying to get to their next level? Like how do you analyze kind of where you're at, what your blocks are? Do you do something every month or every quarter? What do you do with your team to say, where are we really at? And what are we, you know, what's a blind spot that maybe we're not seeing and what do you bring in to get to the next level? Yeah. I mean, we, I mean, as a team, we do have our strategy dates, but I think um, particularly for everyone who is listening, what's something that um, myself and my general manager who um, she's been with me for six years and helped me grow, grow the business. What's something that we've done that's really helped us is we write out all of our problems mm. and then you kind of, you, you, you mind map it in a way that you can see that this problem leads to that problem. It's kind of hard to explain, I guess, but like you kind of dump mm. every single problem you have. And then what you'll find that is like, it, you, you end up finding the root causes for these problems, mm. which sounds, it sounds easy that you're just saying it, but you'd be surprised how much it's it's not until you just really put it down to paper. Because so, for example, we, I mean, we we realized that we had so we had all these little problems. Like, I mean, I won't I won't listen bore you, but we had all these problems, and then we realized the problem is that 
we weren't hiring properly Mm. and that we were hiring too slowly. And so we realized that we needed to, but it wasn't just hiring these experts that I was saying that we needed to bring in a head of people and culture, which I think sounds really crazy for a business that has about 15 employees Mm. to do. But that's when we decided to bring in a, a, a really senior HR professional to mm. help us. Mm. And so, and I think that that's all just from like realizing that even, okay, so for example, we, we could be, we're doing a campaign shoot and the campaign isn't what we envision. But that comes down to like, we didn't have someone to own the campaign process. So like, it's all these different levels of problems that trickle down to the fact that we needed someone to help us hire more professionally and hire faster and better. Mm. Okay. So question for you, for someone who has a smaller team and, you know, I know a lot of people who work from home with their businesses like me, we have a team that ranges anywhere from like five to eight people. Some are, some are um, local, some are, or some are in-house, some are online or spread out throughout the U S. So for someone, for a, a team that's a bit smaller than 15, let's say, you're, even if you're just, let's just even say like three or four, for really owning projects, it feels like a lot of things, if you're running your own business, can fall by the wayside or, you know, it does feel like sometimes people don't really take ownership of the projects because in the beginning of a business, there's so much going on, right? It's like, yeah. guess what? You get to wear this hat, this hat, this hat, and this hat, and then next month, it might be totally different. How did you manage within the chaos in the beginning when you weren't quite there before you hired that person for creating a culture and owning the projects? Oh, honestly, I feel like this there's not that, I feel like it's still chaotic now. So don't, first of all, don't worry. I actually felt like we had our shit together way more mm, okay. <laughs> when it was like just a, a few of us in, in that respect. It's, it's a different, it, it was chaos. It's, it's chaotic on a different level mm, okay. <laughs> and it's always going to be chaotic. So don't like, first of all, don't even worry. Um, <laughs> but I think it's, I guess it's, it's ultimately like a, some of it is an 80-20 rule, I guess. And that it's just, there's an opportunity cost to getting everything perfect. Mm. And that actually will stunt your growth. To, so I think it's it's okay to accept a level of like, you know. And But I think for us, what we always do is we have, we always have like really pay attention to the learnings from everything that we do. Mm. Um, but we actually literally document it. And then so we make sure, we try to make sure it doesn't happen again because at the end of the day, that's like a really valuable lesson. You know, like it's, mm-hmm. it's that saying, like, you know, if someone, someone in your team makes a, loses you $10,000, would you find that person? No. Cause you just spent $10,000 investing in that lesson for them. Mm-hmm. So, well, unless mm-hmm. they're a total idiot, <laughs> but so, you know, and the thing is like, when you, when you think you do make mistakes, I think it's actually, you know, it's actually great because you're doing it now and not when you have more at stake and the business is bigger. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I, th- I think it's really, there are people who just like are so committed and I'm the one that has to tell them like, it's okay. Don't worry. Like they just, let's, mm. you know, I have to tell them it's fine. Like compared to some people who just, you know, they never really care nearly mm. enough. So I think it's about finding the right people. And sorry, and you know, I'm not saying go get yourself a HR professional, mm-hmm. um, within the team, but just like to really, delve down to what the core problem is mm-hmm. as opposed to like, so you're not putting out fires all the time mm-hmm. and you're just doing that. And sometimes it's a one big change that sounds like 
it sounds impossible, but, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like it, it, it sounds too scary, but that's the thing. I think it's all about doing those things that are big and scary because if, if it seems, if it's doable, then that's, that's kind of, if it's easily achievable, then you would have done it already. And it just, you know, every other business like yourself will get, will just naturally organically grow. You know, you, you would, that's how you have to set yourself apart from other businesses. So what's some of your biggest failures that have turned into amazing lessons for you? And let's just talk about even this last year. So we didn't scale up our customers happiness team enough for growth. Um, so we, the business was growing and, you know, we were projecting high growth, but we didn't, we weren't hiring enough people to man the tickets and man our like phones. And we, over one weekend, we had, over the Easter long weekend, which is a four day long weekend, we had a coupon code uh, for a sale that didn't work. And mm. so everyone started emailing in about the sale. And then we also had some delays in shipment as well at the same time, but it was all of a sudden, we, so we have an end-of-day uh, KPI where we don't want more than 100 open tickets, mm. um, just like at a certain time of day. Yep. And that, got, that number went from 100 to... It got up to 4,000. Like oh, it, man. It blew out. And then, yeah, so we, so we kind of realized that, you know, we needed to... You know, we, we kind of needed to go from this small business mentality where we kind of we want to minimize costs and we kind of like, I mean, we still, we're constantly battling with this because you want to, we don't have investment. We have, we want the business to grow sustainably so that it doesn't blow out. We don't overspend. So we kind of like, we, we, we don't want resources sitting there idly, mm. but then we, you know, that's what we kind of learned that we, if we want to grow, we need to kind of like spend early, spend ahead and just mm. like really, Back out, really back ourselves and plan for that growth, which sounds obvious, but we weren't no. doing this. In, it's, yeah, um, no, that's so true. Spend, spend early, man. That's and that's some of the scariest things I think for entrepreneurs to hear is, yeah. you know, the theme of everything that you've been talking about has been kind of like I invested back, I made this, then we invested back, and then you have to spend early and you have to prepare for growth. And it's like if you want to grow, you really do have to think in terms of that and put the money back in. And I think for a lot of people, especially new business people, they're just like, oh, when I make money, that's you can get the mindset. You're like, oh, that's my money. Like this is now what I'm <laughs> making. And you're like, actually, no, you. <laughs> When you're creating a business, right? It's like you may not be making a lot at all in the beginning if you really want to get to where you want to go. So for you, when was it that you got to sit back and be like, not that you're sitting back, but um, <laughs> but that you got to be like, oh my God, like this has dramatically shifted my life. And this is, you know, something that's going to be somewhat regular, you know, moving forward. I don't. I actually, I actually don't remember that moment. You're like I was too in it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't take an income for like I think three years. Wow. Mm-hmm. But I think I was just like pulling out money to pay for credit cards whenever I needed. But I never like actually <laughs> took an income. God, yeah, I don't know. But uh, I, think I think that's so me, important for people to hear, though, is like there wasn't even a shift because your passion was probably just like wow, no matter what you were committed to it. So were you committed like that from the beginning or did it just switch or what, what was the moment when you were like, I am in this, like, no matter what, this is not going to go down. Um, oh, I think 
I think just it's always I've always been thinking like that. I just mm. never thought, and I think especially the bigger the bigger Chopra's the brand got, yeah. the more I was like, this is this is it. Like the, the bigger it got, I'm like, well, I'm never going to be able to do this again. Mm. <laughs> Let's make this work. Like I'm going to have to start over because there's a lot of people who are like serial entrepreneurs. Yeah, but I don't think I am. And I think serial entrepreneurs get bored when they're working the business and they're just doing more day to day things. Whereas I think now I'm actually doing more exciting things because the business is growing. I feel like I'm actually doing more new things. Mm. So I wouldn't really. I think I've just been really like this is this has been it from the start for me almost. Mm. I. And it, because it hasn't been about the money, it didn't take long for myself to be in a place where I was financially comfortable. And then that was it. I don't really need much more than just comfortable. I want my parents to be taken care of. But even my parents are like very like, they have a very like povo lifestyle. So povo is Australian slang for poor. They're just like, they just don't take much mm. to look after. So I think we're just, it just, as soon as it clocked over to like, making more than my regular, like a what I would make as an accountant, even beneath that, I just haven't really thought about it. I think the best thing has been the fact that I've been able to hire people to do the things that I don't like doing. Mm. Um, and so I think that's so my Instagram handle is the lazy CEO because um, I just thought that, you know, I think what's what's one of the most valuable lessons has been like if I find if I get other great people to do what I'm doing um, to to do to do a better job, then well, it's actually good to be lazy and to let go because mm-hmm. they are made way better than me to do something that they're really passionate about and specialized in. And so you know, every time I feel like for me, it hasn't been really about the money, but every time my quality of life. In, increases is when we hire someone to take a, something away from me. So for example, we just, the last hire that we have is our CFO. So taking away all the accounting and finance, because ironically, even though I wanted to get out of accounting and finance, I was still doing it for the company until maybe like uh, a year ago. Wow. So I'm like, why? How am I? How did I do this? I'm like doing my dream, doing my dream job, but I'm still an accountant. <laughs> and so that was like, that, like my quality of life literally shifted and improved. My stress levels have gone down. I'm just a happier person. Oh, that's such valuable advice is hiring people for what you don't want to do and you're not good at because yeah. just the energy that you get back to be able to put into what you do love yes. is going to grow you so much faster. Um, so we've basically run out of time. So I would love, clearly we can both talk. So I would love yes. for you to share just any last bit of advice um, for people who are in a business who really would love to even experience a sliver of the growth that you've experienced. Yes. Um, I think, well, the thing is about, about me, I always say like, you have to just take risks. Mm-hmm. But when you risk anything, like, do not risk what you're more than what you're willing to lose because you take the risk and you'll learn. You have to learn, note down your learnings and then you can need money then to go and reinvest using your learnings. Mm. And so I think that's how you can you can kind of keep doing different things and keep growing the business, mm. but you never like put yourself at risk of the business going down. Mm. I love that. We actually have like, um, you know, we always put different money aside just for risks because I'm always yes. like, well, 
How you? How are we ever going to know? Like, how will we ever know if we didn't do this? And to me, it's more exciting to do that now than, you know, I just think <laughs> I can't imagine life without doing it. Like, because yeah. all of the good things come from that. So I'm so grateful for you. Thank you so much for sharing your journey with us. There's, I know that there's just like so much more that we could have chatted about, um, but I'm so grateful for your wisdom. And I'm also wondering where we can find you and where we can follow you. Oh, amazing. So I'm on um, YouTube. I'm on Instagram and YouTube as the Lazy CEO. The website is showpo.com, S-H-O-W-P-O.com. Also on Instagram and YouTube as well. And also on LinkedIn. You can be LinkedIn buddies. (laughs) <laughs> and by the way, I looked, I was looking at your site and I'm like, I, so I'm a clothes junkie. So I was like, Oh, God. oh I know. Oh, I've, Lord. Seen, I've seen your site. I'm like, you, I'm going to have to send you some show pro because <laughs> I will I gladly it. take it because I was yeah. literally, like, it was right before I got on here with you. And I was like, Lori, get out of the vortex. Stop it. Like you need to yeah. not, not shop and keep researching. So <laughs> I'm like, oh, my shopping is my research right now. It's fantastic. Yes. <laughs> so I'm so grateful for you. And I always end on one last question. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. So you have a quick encounter with someone. It's a total stranger. It's like 30 seconds. You could be in an elevator or just in passing. And they look at you and they ask you, how can I make myself happy? What do you say? Um, more wine, less wine. That works better written. <laughs> More wine or less wine? <laughs> That's Sorry, wine, W-H-I-N-E. That's amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. Okay. Thank you so much. And you guys, if you love this episode as much as I did, make sure you share it with your friends. And until next time, earn your happy. Bye, everyone. Thank you guys so much for spending this time with me on the Earn Your Happy podcast. I am so glad that you stopped by. If you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would love it, that would be absolutely amazing and we would be forever grateful. Also, please leave us a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving us an honest thought and honest comment. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear more of. It would really help us out on our journey to helping thousands and thousands of people. Until then, don't forget to earn your happy. Thanks again, guys. Bye-bye. Hey, all I'm so excited to share with you, Earn Your Happy is now part of Growth Day Podcast Network. A bunch of us are coming together to bring more growth to the world and support shows and brands that we truly believe in. And one of my friends is also on the network, and I'd love for you to go subscribe to his show. You guys, Trent Shelton has the most incredible podcast. It's called Straight Up with Trent Shelton, and it's going to remind you that you are built for this. I have heard Trent speak in person multiple times. I've listened to his podcast a ton. He's coming on the show and I literally cannot wait because this man just spits straight fire. It is like truth that goes to your core and makes you take action right away. If you want one of those podcasts that when you're just out on a walk, you can't help but want to start running and run through a wall in your life, this is the show to go listen to. So you guys make sure that you go subscribe to the show straight up with Trent Shelton. You're going to love it. Hey, do you know what the big secret is this year? 
And it shouldn't be a secret because this should be your biggest focus. It is building your community. I am always working on building and nurturing my community and everyone is talking about the power of community without an online community you just cannot grow organically or create a real movement which is what i know that we're all after and you can build trust or monetize your audience when you get community right not only does your audience grow faster, but so do your sales. But where's everybody gonna be managing their communities these days? And a lot of online entrepreneurs and thought leaders are turning to Circle.so. Circle is an all-in-one community platform. It lets you host content and create discussions, live streams, group chats, and memberships all under your own brand. And what's so cool about Circle.so is that you don't even need a website or Facebook group. Instead, Circle lets you build your own community site where you can host content and manage your members. You can even create locked and unlocked content spaces, groups, and classes. How freaking cool is that? You can put your content behind a paywall too, and you can charge different amounts of money for different spaces on your community site. Circle.so is famously easy to use, and it has a free 14-day trial for you, so you can go check it out, see if you like it, see if you love all the options. Just go to circle.so. Go check it out right now, you guys. Imagine being able to manage your community, start group chats and live classes, and accept payments all in one place. Kind of mind-blowing since this is usually spread all over the place. You have to log into so many different things. If this is the year to capture, organize, and monetize your community, head over to circle.so. You can get a free trial and start building your online community right now. Just go to circle.so. You guys, you get the 14-day free trial. So just go and see if it's for you. It's going to streamline everything and make your life so much easier. It's so freaking cool. Want to know a huge secret to my success? Okay, not only my success, but just about every single person that I have interviewed on this podcast who is successful has this in common. You guys, they love to journal. They capture their life lessons and what they're grateful for. But a lot of people don't keep this up consistently. And most people do know that the research shows that journaling deepens your gratitude and increases self-awareness. But did you also know that journaling decreases stress and helps you achieve your goals faster? In fact, journaling is a huge differentiator between average performers at work and high-performing people. It leads to longer-term clarity, confidence, and success. So why don't more people journal? Why didn't I journal consistently? Honestly, they don't like staring at a blank page. It's hard to carry a book around with you or a notepad, and they just don't even know what to write about, or they just forget. That's why I know that you're going to love Growth Day. It's the world's number one system for self-improvement, and it's like all-in-one personal development in an app. And it has an awesome digital journal, and people love it. Growth Day's digital journal has hundreds of research-backed writing prompts for self-reflection, positive mindset, confidence building, and success. I use them all the time, and it makes me think in ways that I typically don't, and it makes me ask myself better questions, which we all know gets better results in our life. 
It even has prompts that help you develop a daily, weekly, or monthly habit of reflecting on your life and identifying areas to grow. So it's a perfect time of year to start journaling, you guys. When you sign up at Growth Day, you also get systems for habit tracking, goal setting, and scoring and improving every area of your life. Best of all, I get to teach there too, you guys. I'm so excited. I hope that I get to see you. I teach live in Growth Day every single month with a new topic just for you. So join me there. Start your free trial at growthday.com slash Lori.